Okay. All right. We're waiting for a few more people to come in. We got a packed house today. This were a, a flight, we'd be looking for people to check their luggage. So welcome <laughs> to the Renegade Consortium, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about how we can work smarter, not harder. Because we, as in the last webinar, in the last panel, we talked about how what's going on in the industry and how we're able to lean in tech to technology. We're going to be talking a little bit about that today. But one of the things that we would like to focus on is there i think all of us wish there were more hours in the day i think in fact i think there's a saying it's like everybody has the same amount of hours in the day as beyonce but do you really because she's got an army of people at her disposal and now we're able to use technology and have different ways that we can increase our efficiency throughout the course of our work week so that we can get some of those hours back to work on some different things, work on transactions during the week. So there are some people that have just cracked that matrix code. Uh, so we that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, one of the first things we're going to talk about is how we can be more efficient. So I do want to talk. So let's, should we do some introductions first? If, if people don't know who we are, let's uh, let's start. So, so Stephen, why don't you kick us off? Hi, everybody. I'm Stephen Meadows. I'm Chief Operating Officer of Cobalt Banker Premier. We are a large mid-Atlantic brokerage, uh, and I am a very uh, task-oriented individual. So efficiency is something I always strive for because I have a lot of plates spinning at all times. So this topic is very near and dear to my heart. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, and, and you and I have talked about some of the things that we're going to talk about today uh, of like, how much is your time worth? And, and, you know, what are the things that you need to do versus, you know, and that's, it needs to get done, but you know, let's let somebody else do that. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, but Andrew, you're like the automation king. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh, you know some of the some of the ways that we're going to be able to do this and be more efficient? Sure. Yeah. My name is Andrew Becker. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Billions, which is a real estate team operations platform built on top of Salesforce. That is chock full of automation that I'll. Uh, hopefully provide some insight on today. My past life though, I built a pretty high volume, high transaction real estate team that's still operational today. I just am not involved in the day-to-day -day operations around that, but uh, still active, still uh, still getting sales, still making moves uh, using the platform that we built. And um, the reason why I built it was for need for this discussion, right? So, um, happy to bring my expertise to the discussion today. Absolutely. Oh, that we're going to, and if you didn't understand what all of those words meant, we're going to get into some definitions too. So I know, <laughs> so there, there is some jargon that we're using with automation, but you know what? We're going to explain all of that once we dive in a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, Michael Ehrlich, you are a, a, the recommendation person that I go to now. If there's a technology tool that I need, I know that I can look at your LinkedIn feed and find 25 of them. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. So lovely. I'm going to actually just read off my LinkedIn as far as like my perfect. Um, I label myself as an explorer, a metaverse enthusiast, a prop tech fanboy, an EQ and AI, emotional intelligence, adventurist, experimental marketing engineer, a realtor. I am the current um, <clears throat> community engagement and strategic partnerships officer at uh, a company called Scout, where we leverage data and AI to uh, to help agents meet their ideal customer um, through technology. Been in the prop tech space 
longer than I'm I want to tell anybody. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's been a fun ride, and um, you know, look forward to uh, the future of what's going to happen with regards to uh, real estate tech and uh, and agents. I love that. Yeah. And my name is Tom Shively. I've been in training and engagement for prop tech companies for about a decade now. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how we can lean in and use utilize some techniques on top of technology and how we can increase the efficiency of our day. So that's where we're going to kick this off is there are some agents, some high performers out there that we look at from a distance and it looks like they work 20 hours a day and we have no idea how they get all of that done. So uh, Andrew, let's start with you. How, what are some of the ways that you find that agents can save time by being more efficient? So I think there's two two concepts I'd like to touch based on them. And I won't dive super deep into both of them right now, but we'll see where the conversation goes. But number one is I've been really into playbooks around things that need to get done in repeatable ways, right? So things that agents or anyone on the team is doing every day over time uh, that gets, uh, you know, worked on and iterated, et cetera. One of the biggest ways we were able to scale our real estate team was we made a playbook or a standard operating procedure. Some people might think them uh, or know them more as, right? So any single task that ever got created, really big task or down to, you know, how to make coffee in the office kind of a task, there's a playbook around it. So the idea, Tom, is anytime you need to do a certain thing, you go and you reference it and it gives you the guide to get it 80%, 90% of the way done. So that's how you scale. And if Tom doesn't want to do that task anymore and you leverage your time and you hire someone else to come in and do that, Tom isn't spending all of his time training that person on every single task that has to be done because you put in the time up front to create those playbooks. So you scale that way faster, easier. And then as your, your model changes, as your tools change too, the playbook is uh, designed in such a way where it's not that specific. So you can at least get the overall, Hey, this is the end result in mind. And here's how you would go about doing it. And you let the smart person that you just hired, figure out the minuscule, minuscule details. Right. So that's number one. Number two is, and this kind of feeds in or bleeds into the billions platform, but we automated on top of the playbook. Think of billions as like a, a, an operations platform with all of the playbook automation built in. So at a very high level to be able to focus on what do agents want to really focus on, right? Meeting with prospects and their clients and delivering results to their clients, right? Making more money. That's yeah, it, right? More money, uh, be, ha have the time to, to, uh, focus on this, the important stuff that matters to them, delivering on what they said that they were going to deliver on. So agents shouldn't be wasting their time being ineffective or unproductive with the minuscule administrative details of running their day-to-day -day operations, right? So a system in place that can automate tasks or calls or emails and alert you or proactively tell you when things are happening or not happening is also so how you scale and how you get to where everyone wants to get to, right? Where they're not spending hours figuring out what's working, what's not. They're having something tell them what is working or what or who is working or who is not or what is not working. So there's a lot 
packed into that statement that we can get into later, but I'll just leave it at that and I'll let someone else kind of chime in. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really like that answer. And I think for, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the SOP portion of that, the second, the second side of that in, in a little while. Um, but just so for anybody that doesn't speak technology too terribly well, I just, that first portion where you were talking about your playbooks, I, what I imagined was a cookbook, right? Is that you're, you know, I'm definitely somebody who likes to, you know, if you're going to do something right, you do it right. You do it yourself. You know what I mean? So you write down that recipe. And then as you start to scale, you get more people like you were talking about, you hand them the cookbook and you're like, all right, it is only two pinches of parsley here or else it's good. You know, I want my business to be delicious. Is that, is that semi what you're talking about? Yes. So it was actually the whole idea was derived from Betty Crocker's Christmas 1996. <laughs> <edition>. <laughs> And that's where this whole thing came from, right? No. Gotcha. Yes. Mama's right. cookbook. So the idea is like, I mean, think of it like a franchise model, right? You buy a McDonald's franchise, they give you a playbook on how to cook fries. Take them out, open the bag, put it in, put it in for five minutes. So I'm making that up. But it's not like every single franchise E for a McDonald's figures out how to cook their fries differently, right? It's a brand yeah. new and sort of like, this is what we're delivering time and time again. It's not perfect. Like people do things a little bit different in their own way, but that's the idea. Repeatable, predictable. So if something does go wrong, you have an idea of what went wrong and you tweak the playbook accordingly. So it potentially might never happen again. I like, yeah. You ever go to a McDonald's and their fries are way too salty? That's what happens is when someone somebody takes the recipe. Someone wasn't following the playbook, <laughs> apparently. But that's to that point, though. So that is one of the things that makes McDonald's so such a standard thing in America or around the world is it's very predictable. You can go to a McDonald's. I know what a Big Mac is going to have on it. And I know about what the fries are going to taste like. The, the ice cream machine may or may not work. Probably you know, doesn't depends, work. Probably but, doesn't. Let's yeah, be honest. Probably doesn't. Don't count on it, especially if you really want a shamrock shake and it's the last <laughs> day you can get one. Probably not going to happen. Not that I'm bitter about it, but um, <laughs> but you know, in in your business, that is something to aspire to. You know, uh, having that customer experience being you know repeatable and you know you can deliver so that when someone is referring someone to you they can they've they've given a, a great depiction of what kind of service they're gonna be getting well they did this 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 and that oh well that's funny because they didn't do anything for me they literally just did you know and so by having that sort of model you're able to deliver that predictable experience and get that predictable result so like if you take that over to prospecting if i do these five activities i will get this result almost every time so i think that's a, a brilliant way of doing it i mean if you absolutely think you know i want some oh, go ahead Oh, I was going to say, Tom, if you think about it the opposite way, if we were all on a team together, right? And Steven was the boss and he's like, hey, Tom, Mike and Andrew, go recruit. And we all tried to figure it out on our own. How much uh, wasted time would we have versus trial and error, figuring out, putting a playbook together and then all following the same rules to Steven's point? If you do these five things, we will get 20 call, 20 people on the phone, five interviews, and we'll hire one person. If we're all just shooting from the hip all the time, you know, recreating the wheel each and every time, it's a massive, massive loss of productivity in that day that you're doing it, but also over the course of the year. Think about how much time you are wasting not having a, an SOP in place. 
Absolutely. You know, Steven, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here because you're somebody who coaches agents even right now. This that's, that's what you're doing in the building that you're currently sitting in. So when you have a new agent, or even if you're coaching somebody who's been in the industry for a long time through, we're navigating the current industry. You said you they do these five things. What are the five things that you think are the most important to help automate? I mean, I'm, I I don't know if you have time to type it in chat GPT right now, but give me some five <laughs> things that we can coach our agents on, 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 and being specific of what's going to be helpful in today's market. Well, so, I mean, I, I made up the five, the number five. So, you know, 85% <laughs> of statistics are made up on the spot. So right. five things was, that was just an example. So I don't know if I'll come up with five, but okay. I mean, take prospecting for, for instance, you know, start with your sphere of influence. Number one, start with the people that know, like, and trust you. Have you told them you're in the business? You know, uh, if you will, if you will commit to contacting everyone in your sphere, maybe break it up and it's, let's say you have a hundred people in your sphere and you do five handwritten cards a day and you do it every day for a month, you know, every work day, it'll take you about a month to get through your whole sphere. It's only five a day. It's not that much. You could probably do 10 a day if you really tried, but like, you're probably going to get something back from that. Not necessarily them wanting to transact, but they may say, oh, Aunt Sally wants to do such and such. Or my neighbor was talking about, you know, I was, uh, I just sold an air compressor today uh, that's been in my garage for a while. And, and I was talking to a lady and she's buying a house. I'm like, man, I wish I would have, she wish would contacted me like two weeks ago. I could have, cause she's like, we just got approved for our mortgage. I'm like, I could have gotten you a better deal on the mortgage. I bet. Um, but anyway, I, I digress, but it's, it's that, that personal connection. It's knowing someone who knows someone who knows someone. So just contact those people. Number one, just sit down and, and consistently reach out to the, to your sphere. And I guarantee you, most people have a larger sphere than hundred people, unless you're brand new to a market, which I have an agent who did that several years, three years ago, three and a half years ago, came to this area, knew, knew two people and has grown her business every year with, you know, she started with lead gen and then now has built a sphere and now gets referral and repeat business. But so she's kind of the outlier, but most agents in the getting in the business have a sphere of people. You know, so come up with with a, a a good way of contacting them. So I'm a big fan of handwritten things. I, I have terrible handwriting. Uh, and so people know. That's how they I know it came from I, you. If I wrote yeah. something, they're going, <laughs> Stephen definitely took the time to, to write this because I have to like be very careful. Otherwise, it's, I mean, I'm, I've, I have the handwriting of a doctor or a serial killer, whichever metaphor you prefer. Right. But um it's terrible. So if if I do it, it took it took very specific. You know, I was very dedicated, and I I wrote it out. But even if you just handwrite the envelope, let's say you're farming, or you're mailing a neighborhood or something, handwrite the envelope at the very least. You can have a printed letter, but handwrite the envelope. They're more likely to open it. So it's just can dumb I challenge? Like that. Can I challenge the the listeners out there too around that? I think that's a fantastic idea, but that takes a lot of time, right? If you write one handwritten letter and time yourself, I'm assuming getting it out, writing it, stamping it, address, whatever, you can get a sticker and do it faster. But I challenge those out there listening to find a software solution to integrate directly into your platform where you can type out a template and send the order away in 30 seconds or less by saying, hey, all people on my platform equals sellers and this and that build that criteria you would be shocked at your 
your rate of return on whatever the expense that might be compared to what your return or hourly rate would be. So if you're making a hundred bucks an hour, but it's $25 an hour for someone to set that up and to, you know, put that order in, that's an ROI instantly. And you're not sitting down doing that. You're then spending time with family, right. Or going to the movies or doing whatever you want to do instead of having to do that. So in, in the, in the spirit of automation, I had to throw that out there. Let me guess. I like that. You, you happen to the... have, you happen to have that in built into your system, right? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> into the billion but system. I will, I like I will say, so when it comes to like large projects, so Christmas card time or whatever, you know, I have a, I have a hit list of people that get Christmas cards from me, you know, brokers and, and con, you know, business contacts. I don't necessarily handwrite my own cards. And I, but what I, if your handwriting is very um, identifiable, just make sure that the people you don't handwrite don't know what your handwriting looks like. So I make sure like these people have never seen my handwriting, so they won't know it's not from me. Or at the very least, I will have someone address the envelope for me. So like I was sending out a, a bunch of letters for a merger project and uh, I had one of our staff people address the envelopes. And I actually had a broker call me and said, hey, I got your letter, not interested in selling my company, but I just wanted to call and thank you for handwriting that envelope. That was a really nice touch. Oh, and we had like a 10 minute conversation. It was great. You know, he's not interested in, in, in doing any business or whatever, but just the fact that he reached out and said that was like, that just ver validated to me that that is a good practice. But I agree, if you can automate it, go for it. I'll throw out a second challenge to that, Stephen. So if you always use an ordering mechanism that's automated, they think that's your handwriting from the get-go, then you won't run into that problem ever, right? What was the challenge? He just wants to challenge me. He's telling oh, okay. me to gotcha. top up the money <laughs> and pay someone else to do it. To do something. <laughs> the, the challenge to think about it that way. If you, if gotcha. you want to be, oh, the, he hand wrote the letter, but if you order it from a robot that hand writes it, for the first time, right? Every other subsequent handwritten letter would look like your handwriting, right? So, so those those machines, gotcha. those machines you can buy and they're like uh, 400 bucks. I wanted one so bad. I want to buy my own handwriting machine just for like the little stuff. That would be that's, cool. That's, that's the sort of AI that freaks me out a little bit. That's like, we're using the robot to connect with people. <laughs> but you know well, what i understand no the value in it it's no different than having having a robot help you uh sound more human you know like here rewrite this so i can sound more empathetic right that's well yeah that's the part that freaks me out too <laughs> right. um speaking of which okay so we're talking about that personal touch, that part of the, the transaction where we're connecting with our people. But before that, before we get there, there has to be some brand recognition to get that communication, to start a transaction, to get into the room, to have that handshake with somebody. Michael, I want you to talk a little bit about what are some of those things that agents have to do that will get that brand recognition? Things like social media, things like getting things out online, creating videos, all those things. So are those things something that an agent should sit down and do every single week? Or is that something that we should outsource? Um, a great question. I actually wanted to just really, really quickly piggyback on um, 
on what we were on what we were just discussing and recommend a book and i'll like we'll actually give a free copy of it out to um one of the people that are currently on our webinar we'll just randomly uh pick it like the lottery um but there's a great book called uh predictable revenue uh it was written by a guy named uh, aaron ross uh, who essentially worked at Salesforce and helped them essentially he, he created an inside sales process uh, with a team and grew the revenue by a hundred million dollars. Um, so it's a great book and and predictable revenue is essentially, you know, I'm going to kind of put billions out there because billions uses similar technology or the same technology that helps scale businesses that big. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, uh, having automation, having process, um, you know, in the beginning, obviously it's a pain to do, but you know, it's going to pay dividends in the future. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of getting there. So predictable revenue, check it out. We'll send a free copy to one of our, uh, one of our users. Just wanted to drop that real quick um, as it, because it, it's relatable and it relates to, uh, to billions, but with regards to content creation, I mean, I, you know, I think we've all kind of seen uh, the content that gets shared online from not just real estate agents, but just people in general, because, um, you know, the quinoa stuff, pepper recipe that sucks or the, the you know, five ways to stage your home for a spring sale that we always talk about, right? Like the content that's just straight up, I don't want to call it garbage, but it's garbage. It's evergreen content. Um, I think that's that type of content uh, will and, and is currently getting deprioritized. So you got to start crafting your own kind of messaging and you can use AI to do that. Um, I, I, and again, I'm not going to, not to drone on, but, um, I, I recently, or I didn't put it out yet. I'm going to be putting out an article with regards to, um, you know, Google saying way back when AI generated content is going to be deprioritized with regards to our search engines, which is complete bs um because they have their own <laughs> ai platform right mm -hmm. um so you know when it comes to creating content leveraging ai giving it a direction it's going to help you ideate and create content that's specific to you in your tone and different from what everybody else is doing um even if somebody else is using ai to create their content they're not going to get the same output that you get um so you know i don't think outsourcing it um, like hiring somebody to do my Instagram, you know, is, is going to be helpful. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, this is my business. I need to do it. Um, and I need to be in it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I am of the, uh, I'm, I'm in the audience of the, uh, the do it yourself and not pay for it. Because at the end of the day, uh, with regards to real estate, you eat what you kill. Um, you need to have that predictable revenue stream. Right. And, and part of how you're going to get there is by creating your own content and creating a process around it using something like billions. I love oh, it. I see. You so know, Andrew's not going to challenge Mike because he's talking about billions in a nice nope, way. Nope, <laughs> nope. You know, yeah. Uh, no, I, let I, me, I, let I, me I, turn I, up the sycophant a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I'm sort of in that camp as well of, of, you know, get it when it, when it comes to things like social, that, that 
very much is your appearance too. It's not necessarily just your thoughts or or any of those things that where you can send that out. Now there are pieces of that. Like if you record a video, if you have somebody that can edit that for you, great, do that. But you know, I, I think automating the social media completely is that would be a mistake because then your voice gets lost. It just becomes some sort of automated machine. But one of the things that I've well, you know, I've talked to agents for the better part of 10 years. And one of the hardest things is finding the time to actually sit down and do it because everybody's week is so busy that you know you find these successful agents and they're like well i have like three hours on monday morning and i schedule my social posts out and that is all the time that i have to commit to it or you know it's like a quick reel or a story or something that can go out really fast if i'm at an event it's like hey come find me i'd love to talk that kind of thing so it, it can be something that's really quick like that but if you are with your family at the fair you know it is tough to find ways to get social media that is out there that's valuable to people but you know, on the other side of that coin, it is valuable just to be in front of people, you know, and, and to your point, Michael, like you were saying that evergreen contents, there is some value in that in the sense that your name is out there, but you're right. There isn't a lot of value in the actual text I, of what's coming up. I was actually looking, and this is somebody, this is an agent that actually shared this. Um, she was posting stuff about, you know, uh, just general like real estate stuff on her Facebook business page. And then this is like during COVID. She was just posting regular stuff. There was little to no engagement. And then she posted something about helping. I don't know what it was. I think it was a shelter, but like she shared that on her Facebook page. It's got 89 likes, hearts, you know what I mean? So like, that's the stuff people want to see, you know, yeah. when, it, so it's like, it's like really like people work with you because of you, right? Not because of, you know, again, the yeah. brokerage. Can I add a little to that? Mike? Yeah. I think Please. Bang. I mean, there is the, you know, five things to do to declutter your house kind of thing. And people take it for what it is, right? That's more of a branding touch. But I'll take from the playbook also of um, Tony Robbins. I think it's called like no extra time. When I was in sales a few years ago, uh, Tom, you brought up like three hours on Monday to do this. If agents are struggling to find time to do it, Think of the no extra time and a, an easy analogy or example of this is when you're driving, you listen to a podcast, right? So you're not wasting time. When you're at an open house, you can shoot video. When you're doing an inspection, you can take pictures. When you're doing, you know, you're following on the photographer, you're creating content there. But I do think to Mike's point uh, about like the animal in the shelter, they just want to see number one, the idea is to get seen, right? But also to be human. They don't just want to see a market update or stats or this or that. They can quite frankly go to Zillow or Google or wherever and just get those on their own. They want to see Mike doing something cool or Steven at, you know, out in the world living. So if you're really efficient with that no extra time concept, you can create content on the fly and not have a, a you know, a three hour window one time a week where you're creating it and then that's it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I love the 80-20 rule, especially for business, you know, and like in real estate, your, you know, your social media can be a part of your business where it's 80% of, you know, houses and stuff like that. And it's so easy just to continue to post stuff like that, but 20% puppies or whatever Michael said, where it's like, you know, or we have that kind of content where people are going to engage with it in that way. So you do have that personality to it, um, you know, whether that be on LinkedIn or, you know, more likely Instagram or, or TikTok where people are. 
it mean it creates connection like i love i love animals and that's something that like oh my god that's amazing that she did that you you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's content that i can relate to um you know and it's it's like you see you watch tv you see all these tv shows look at the content that they're putting in these tv shows right and people watch this they consume it so like not to say you know you're showing a puppeteer and uh somebody else that make 13 million dollars a year showing them you know crazy houses like whatever that show is um but uh but interesting content like that is what people are really gonna engage with i think it's just taking stuff from there and 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 putting your own spin on it i love it steven you're really good at the automation portion of this and sort of to get back to the mission statement of today's webinar is what are some of those things that we can use or use chat gpt for use technology for in social or in transactions even descriptions of listings that go on the mls what are some of those things that we can lean into that technology for to get more hours back throughout the week so i, I go a little bit back to what andrew kind of said in the beginning is if it's a repeatable thing make it as simple as possible. So back when I sold foreclosures hot and heavy during the recession, I was listing a lot of properties constantly. And there's always the same disclosures and disclaimers I'd had to put in the MLS. I had a copy and paste. I had it on a Word doc and I would just, and I could I could get a, a listing in the MLS in like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or whatever. It took my counterpart an hour because she's sitting there typing the whole thing. And I'm just like, wham, do, 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 do. here we go. My photos are here, yada, yada. You know, so I just had, I'm a process person. So I think just knowing a process and just knowing I have to do, you know, step one, step two, step three helps a ton with that. Now, you know, um, chat GPT is a big help uh, for content. So we talked about uh, social media content. In fact, Mike and I just did a, a thing earlier today teaching agents how to do social media carousels, like LinkedIn carousels. If you if you look at me on LinkedIn twice a week, I'm got a carousel out there. Chat GPT makes the content. I drop it into some Canva templates that I had designed, tweak, 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 change a few things here and there. It's done. I, I think I take maybe 30 minutes on the weekends, usually on a Sunday afternoon, and I schedule out all my LinkedIn stuff for the week. Um, and it's super simple. Uh, and, and so it's it's just carving out time. I'm, um, I'm as I said in the beginning, task-oriented, probably too much. Uh, I have an app on my phone called To-Do-ist. So it's like to-do list without the L. I live and die by that thing. If it is not on my list, it doesn't get done, probably in a bad way. Uh, and if I'm, so if I'm ever talking to someone and they've asked me to do something, I immediately pick my phone up and I, I'm like, I'm not being rude. I'm literally writing this down. And so I get, so it gets done. I have it categorized. I've got personal tasks and publishing tasks and whatever. Uh, it may seem super rudimentary, but having a to-do list every day to where I can open it up and it's like a calendar for me. It's like, I know these are the things I have to get done today. And if I get to the end of the day and I've got stuff left over, well, oh, well, I bump it to the next day. I don't just drop it. I'm like, okay, this can be tomorrow. Usually about three or four in the afternoon. I'm like, all right, that's a tomorrow task. That's a tomorrow task. Uh, and it really helps. Like I put people's birthdays on there. Like we have a birthday calendar for our company. I've got everybody's at the beginning of the week. I put all the birthdays on there every day. So I can go, Oh, I got to wish them a happy birthday. Um, anyway, so, well, it's so impersonal. I'm going to forget. Otherwise I've got 260 yeah. agents in my company. I can't remember everyone's birthday. Okay. Um, and so it's as an agent, 
you could do the same thing. So if you know you, if you have your database and you have people's birthdays, put them in your phone, put them on a calendar, make sure you know, you know if you're going to send them a card, remind yourself a couple of days earlier or whatever. But it, some of that is so rudimentary and simple, but sometimes simple works. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've got people that they do everything on paper. You know, they, they, they write their shopping list on paper. I write my shopping list and my to-do list, my to-do list app. I have an agent that she, yep, exactly. I have an agent. She gets leads in on like an open house campaign that, she, that we run for her. And she literally takes a, a tablet of paper and draws lines and basically creates a spreadsheet on a piece of paper and has a checklist. Have I invited them to the open house? Have I sent them the listing? Da, da, da. She's like, don't laugh at me. I'm like, I think it's brilliant. How, whatever gets the job done, she's, you know, she's converted multiple leads into other buyers doing that system. So it doesn't have to be flashy and shiny and, and, and all that. It, as long as it works, does it get you to do the tasks that have to be done? That at the end of the day is all that matters is do the tasks that need to be done, outsource what you can. But as long as stuff is getting done, that's what's important. There's so much of that. I feel like our industry of like, there's so many different ways to do things and it all, I feel like filter funnels down into what you just said, which was find what works, find, find what works with to be successful and then continue to build on that. And then use that as the foundation, um, which I love, uh, Andrew, people don't you, spend, have, sorry, people will spend thousands of dollars on coaches and things like that. Nothing wrong with a coach, but if you're not going to do what the coach tells you do, <laughs> You know, coaches have systems. Systems work for a reason. But if you don't use the system, it's not it's going to be a waste of your money. That's why I don't use a coach because I'm probably not going to use their system because I have my own system. Not that it's theirs. But you're a coach too, right? I'm comfortable with what I've got and I know it works. Um, but I'm a coach, you know, so I have a dim view of coaches, technically speaking. Now, um, but yeah, it, so it's 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 not about. You know, it's it's like having a recipe book. You you know, I've got grandma's recipe books. Well, if I don't put the ingredients in the bowl, I'm not going to get the cake. I can have the recipes all day long. I still have to do the work and do them in the right order or else I'm going to have a mess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Andrew, don't you have your social media scheduled out like three months ahead of time? Yeah. So we have a playbook on that where... <laughs> Um, and, and Steven, I don't know if you know this, but, um, I used to do the thing that you do with chat GPT. Then I put it into Canva and I'm not trying to hard sell Canva here, but they just embedded magic, right. AI into Canva. So what we do is we'll say, Hey, give us 30, you know, thought leader quotes or whatever in Canva. It'll populate that we copy and paste it, do a bulk asset, create, um, Tom, to get those 30 assets done for us in about 30 seconds. And then we individually take each of those assets and we go into the scheduler and we post out, I think we're through like November, December now. Um, but what we do in our playbook is once, I think it's the 15th of every single month, I meet with our marketing person and we go through that and say, what do we want to talk about? What are the topics, the themes happening in the world or real estate, you know? And then that's what we do. We go through and we create the content in less than two minutes and that's just schedule it out. We change up the colors and, you know, we use our brand theming uh, theme that we have built into Canva, but it's takes like five minutes to do. It's, it's great. I do love the AI features in Canva. I haven't gotten to delve into them yet, but a lot of them, I've done some of them. I love the bulk create. 
Yeah. Um, absolutely love that. I've actually started creating videos for YouTube shorts in Canva using Bulk Create. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's a lot you can do like that automated way. Just mess or like literally go to YouTube and type in like easy ways to bulk create in Canva. And it's going to come up with a hundred different things. Watch one of the videos that I honestly learned about that on Instagram. I watched like a 30 second video from like a Canva hack person. And then I was like, that's cool. I'm going to go record myself doing that multiple times, put it in a playbook, have a checklist, have the process, and then give it to someone on my team. And that's what we do. But we took, I mean, think about pre Canva, pre AI, how long would that take to come up with 30 different things, let alone go and create the asset for each one. That's probably like maybe a week's worth of work if you're decent, right? Now it's like, you iterate and you tweak it and you get better and better. And it literally comes down to like a two minute meeting where you know what to do. The hardest part is just like, what do we want to talk about this time? Yeah. Now, I will, I will plug a really quick tool. Uh, it's along the same lines as playbooks. It's not as sophisticated, but it's called scribe. And the website is scribehow.com. Yeah. If you have anything that it's, it's literally like click, click, I need to show you instead of doing a screen share, I can do it one time. And it, every time I click on something, it, it screen captures it and creates a, a, a PDF or whatever, and I can edit it. So let's say I click something like, oh, I didn't mean to click that. I can just keep going and I can go back later and just delete that step. And I can write notes in there. I can reorder things if I want. My, our admins love it. They're, you know, because agents will say, hey, how do I do X? Here you go. Just just read this guide, and it they and the agents love it because it's actual screenshots. Click this up here, then click, and it like draws a circle around it, and it's it's so easy to use. I'll second that for our billions customers when they need to know how to add a user, for example, we'll scribe it out and loom it out at the same time, Stephen, so they can get the video and the scribe, and the scribe is something that you can convert to a PDF, so it's downloadable. They can print it out if they want to, but um. We, we have that and it, that's a process that we're doing. We didn't want to do it into our playbooks because if the tools changed, then it would be obsolete and we'd have to redo it, but excellent tool. And it's very, it's very economical too. I think it's like 20 bucks a month or something around there. I have yet to pay for it. Uh, I, I know it does have a paid version that has yeah. other features. I have yet to need the other features. I think we hit that but, limit where we had to yeah. pay, but it's very, very economical. I'm sorry. I was I was just enthralled with the scribe and look. This is great. This all of a sudden I need to take some notes because I spend so much time. Like I do long form stuff like this with a, on a few different avenues, and I you know will go through and get you know because usually it's like a two or three minute clip, and then you cut it down to one minutes as like a conversation, and that ends up being good content. But yeah, if we could automate that, that would be great. Where you don't have to do stuff like that anymore. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, some of those playbooks and things that we were talking about. So, and, and the analogy in my head about this is, you know, in Europe, there's train stations that work with impeccable efficiency. I mean, if they say that a train's showing up at one o'clock, there is a train pulling in at one o'clock, not one minute before, not one minute after. And there's lots of people in this, you know, the, the whole train moving, right? There's the conductors, the passengers, there's the people at the station, and they all work together to make sure that this efficiency happens to keep this train on the track. So there are ways that we can keep our business on the track 
see what I did there? Uh, and and how we can do that uh, is through these SOPs that we're talking about. So, uh, Stephen, Andrew, you both have talked about this playbook, but I want to hear about it, it. Can you give us a, a peek under the curtain here on what is like an SOP that you wouldn't mind sharing? That is uh, just take us through a couple of steps on on. OK, well, this is how it's going to work for my business. Let me write out what these steps are. So this is now this one page is a page in my playbook. So right. I, I'm, I'll just throw it out there. Whoever wants to start, please. Yeah, Andrew, you're okay, you're sure. much more so, prolific with the playbooks. All right, cool. So um, I actually just shared this in a Facebook group, but um, and I took this from one of my coaches, Dan Martell. So I don't want to act like this is something I came up with on my own. Just throwing that out there. But it's around the four C's and what the playbook is. What we do, we have a playbook on playbooks. So anyone on the team watches the playbook on playbooks to know how to make a playbook. And then any single time you want to create one, you at least have that starter point, right? And we're not reinventing the playbook wheel while the purpose of a playbook is to not do that, right? So the four C's, the first one's the camcorder method. And I'll talk a little bit about each one. And then you have the course, the cadence, and the checklist. So camcorder method, um, I have a if you wanted a specific uh, example, I'll do, I'll just talk about the social media thing, right? So creating assets in Canva. So the camcorder method means you go in and you, we use Loom, like I mentioned before, to screen record. It's high quality. It's really good. And you can make notes in it. And it also transcribes it and puts it into different um, like timestamp categories. So it's easily findable if you need like a certain section, but we will camcorder record us doing it three times. And the reason you do three times is because there's little nuances that might not have gotten picked up on the first time. So you do, you do three times. Um, here's how we do, uh, you know, creating this in Canva and you're talking the whole time. You're saying, Hey, we're going to think of an idea. We have to go over here and this is why you want to do this. And then we type out the prompt and make sure to say a, B, and C in the prompt because you really want to capture this. So each time you're doing this, you're talking a little bit differently. You're capturing a little bit of the different nuances that you might've missed. And then you're putting those URLs into the playbook. So when you have, and you name the playbook, the creating assets in Canva playbook. So it's easily identifiable. I'll take another step back and say, we have a playbook library by department. So there's marketing, sales, operations, HR, legal, when you create a playbook, you say, which makes sense. And there's a definition of what marketing means and what sales means. You say, this is a marketing playbook. So the creating assets in Canva playbook, you stick it into the uh, library and it just keeps building and building on each other, right? So when you have someone new to marketing, go you know, read and watch everything in the marketing playbook library. So I'll come back to the playbook. So now you have those three videos and you come up with the course. So those are just the certain tasks. So step uh, task one, go to magic right in Canva and type out what you want. Step two, uh, copy and paste everything. Step three, go to bulk add, uh, add in the content, et cetera. Step four, uh, go to the search bar and type in what you're trying to produce. So Instagram reel uh, or whatever it is, uh, TikTok posts. Uh, step five, copy and paste the content because those 30 prompts need to get posted into whatever asset you have. Step six, you kind of get the idea. And then there's the cadence. How many, how often you're doing this? Some playbooks is every time, right? Some is like you do this weekly, like a financial report, you might want weekly or monthly. So you're not doing it every day. And then the final part is the checklist. It's like, 
hey, if Steven was my boss and I said, hey, I'm done with the uh, Canva building, um, can you check it? He would say to me over my shoulder, well, did you for did you remember to uh, associate our brand kit with this? Did you switch up the different colors so they're not all blue? You want blue, black, red, whatever your brand colors are. So there's a checklist with the final say in, you know, make sure you have everything done correctly. And then that's what a playbook is. Then you just make those for literally every task, every time. And this got brought up before where it can be seen as kind of painful, but if you do it at a, a high high enough level where it's not like every tiny little detail, then it happens fast. And the more you do it, honestly, for me, the more obsessed I became with it because they're fun. And then it's just like, even if I forget to do something, like I'll do something in January, I might not do it until June. I'm like, the heck was I doing? How did I do that? Pull up a playbook and it's right there. So um, that's a- Do that all the time. I hope that answered your question, Tom. Um, about yeah, absolutely. Are, but and And playbooks can be- you could, we could add scribe to our playbooks if we wanted to. It can be whatever you want to be, but to Stephen's point, repeatable. That's going to save you more time than you can even, you know, track. Really, you just need a repeatable thing that you do consistently, and not have to reinvent the wheel. So that's that's our use of playbooks. I want to see that playbook on writing playbooks. Uh, it just seems very meta. I just put it in, it in our group. I shared it. it. It's, it's on our, our, it's on our group. <laughs> I'm telling everybody else I want to read it. I, all right, I'll go. <laughs> you, you have it. And I'm happy to share with anyone okay. on the call today. Wonderful. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stephen, that it's sort of along those lines, there's something that I want that you and I have talked about before, which I think is a good point to make here is that understanding how much your time is worth. That is like such a big point. And I think, you know, to Andrew's point of, of writing playbooks or saving yourself time, but you're also able to delegate tasks through those playbooks. You can hire some, like if, if you're running an entire company yourself, it's time to get a support person. Okay, what do they do? Here's the playbook. So what? how do you decide what is worth your time and how can you, how, how do you coach agents on, on understanding the value and by value, I mean, dollar value of their time. So I, this, this is a probably a very outdated. I know it's outdated, um, but years and years and years ago, I had a broker, uh, an, an older agent in our office asked me to accompany her on showings on a Saturday all day. And I'm like, oh, of course, Miss Laverne, I'll be happy to help you, whatever, da da da. And but she's like, well, tell me how much I, I owe you. And I'm like, I don't know. So I went to the broker and I'm like, how much should I, you know, charge her, or whatever? And she was like, well, as far as I'm concerned, you know, anything you do should be worth at least fifty dollars an hour. Okay. This is like I said, that's like 15, 20 years ago almost. Um, and so I've just always kept that number in my head. Uh, and you know happy to say, I feel like now my time is worth more than that, but that's just the number I've always had. It's an easy number, 50 bucks an hour. I apply that to everything. I don't mow my own lawn because of that. I pay someone to clean my house. I mean, I clean my house, but like the big stuff's like, instead of me spending three hours of my time on a Saturday doing the bathrooms and the floors and all that, I'd rather just pay someone 120 bucks or whatever to come in because that's less than 50 bucks an hour, you know? And I mean, same thing with mowing my lawn. I used to live on half an acre in the city and Nashville was awesome. I loved my, I could see downtown. It was awesome. And, and my friends are, I'll oh, just get a riding lawnmower. And I'm like, 
I am still not going to do that. Like I, if I did it, I would do it for the exercise, which I don't like doing either. And I paid someone 35 bucks every two weeks to mow my lawn. I had over half an acre and they had like one of those big 54 inch zero turns. Like they could whip it out in like 15, 20 minutes. It would have taken me hours. And so it was just, it was just easy math. So an agent, you know, if you're doing these menial tasks, they have to be done a lot of times, but it doesn't mean that you have to be the one doing them. Uh, I learned this lesson at my first NAR conference, and it's very similar to the $50 an hour rule. There was a, a, a team leader for this huge team in Texas. I think it was the Crockett team. She was Century 21, I believe. And, and she stood up in front of this huge room of people, and she said, there's only one of you, and there's only so many hours in the day, and you're only going to grow your business so much by doing it all yourself. You're going to reach a point where you have to duplicate start with an assistant or, you know, nowadays it's a virtual assistant where you can start very small. You don't have to go out and hire a full-time assistant, hire a, a virtual person in the Philippines or wherever, you know, at pennies on the dollar uh, to do some of these marketing tasks or whatever. And then, and then you'll work your way up and then I need an assistant. Now maybe I need a buyer's agent, da, 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 but you can only do so much. And I think it's, it's sort of a natural progression. You sort of sit down and realize like, do I need to be doing this? I mean, I ask myself that all the time. I'll be doing something. I'm like, is this really a COO task? Like making, a, you know, recreating a roster of all of our agents by office. I have the spreadsheet in front of me. Do I really need to? No. Hey, can you do this? I'm, I'm going to pass it off to somebody else. I want all the agents separated by office. Thank you very much. I've already downloaded the spreadsheet. I've already exported the information. It, it won't take her that long either, but it, it, you know, when you talk about the time value of money, it's not a task that I feel like it's a responsible spend of the company dollar to, for me to do. It's not, a, it's not an ego thing. It's, I have other things to do. I have stuff that needs to get done. Agents the same way. Would you rather be on a listing appointment or would you be, ra or would you rather be uh, wrapping a present? I mean, I don't know. I'm just any example like, oh, I've got to, I've got to wrap a closing gift for da, da, da. Somebody else can do that. Do you have kids? Have your kids do it. You know, kids are great <laughs> laborers, you know, and I think there's actually yeah. some IRS rule where you could actually pay your kids up to a certain amount tax-free. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have kids. Won't have them. Yeah, Not a problem for me, but is that a call? Is that an allowance? <laughs> what did you say, Michael? We have a mutual friend that does that. There is actually a rule. Like you can have an, a, a dependent yeah. person and you can pay them up to a certain amount where you can, they don't have to pay taxes on it, but you can deduct it. So look into it. Um, you know, if it's computer work, have your kids do it. They're probably way better at it than you are anyway. Um, but yeah, I leverage as much as I can. And it's not because I think I'm better than, you know, the task. There's no task. that's I, I take the trash out at the office. I, I'll vacuum the floor. I don't care. Whatever needs to get done. But at the end of the day, there's only one me and there's only so many hours in the day. And I've got I've got tasks that have to get completed. And my boss probably wouldn't appreciate me saying, oh, I didn't get this really important thing done because I was washing the mirrors at the office. You know, probably not a great use of my time. You know, so you have to, you'll eventually just reach that point where you have to prioritize things. And I think it's a self, it's kind of a self-exploration journey. It's not like you're just going to wake up one day and go, ah, I'm going to delegate today. You know, it really just, a lot of, a lot of people, unfortunately, kind of hit a wall and then they're forced to go, maybe I need something different. You know, maybe it's an intervention of you're a workaholic and you're going to kill yourself. I, I haven't had those conversations. 
Yes, I have. Um, you know, I'm I'm that one that everyone's like, you're gonna die early if you don't stop if you don't slow down. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. Uh, so I'm trying to get better at it because I mean, at at some point, it really is for your own well being. It's not just to save money or save time. It's you gotta have a quality of life too. And I think yeah. agents, if you're busy, if you're a producing agent, you really need to take a hard look at the tasks that you're doing every day, every week, and figure out what is it that you can push off to somebody else to to free you up to do the more the either better revenue generating stuff or have a life, you know. Book appointments with yourself in your calendar if you have to. Um, oh, you know, do what it takes. I mean, that's like being busy versus being productive, right? And um, since Michael brought up predictable revenue, we can rattle it off to someone or raffle it off to someone on the call today. I'm going to bring up a book around that concept that you just referred to, Stephen, called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Excellent book. And the first question is, should I be doing this or can someone right. else be doing it? And think about it. If you have an SOP or a playbook in place already, how much easier it is to leverage someone else to go. I mean, and you were joking, like wrapping a present. That's important if you're going to your parents' birthday or, you know, a your son's soccer game or something. You want to you want to grow your business with people, but you also want to have people on your team so you can spend time with family, so you can do the things that you want to do so you're not, you know, dropping dead early because you you stayed busy when you didn't really have to be. Okay, so I, I know we're pushing our time limits, but there's one last thing that I want to talk about. And I feel like the, the you guys will have a good take on this. So we've been talking about what are the things that you can do to get more time back throughout the course of the week. But there are things that happen that take time out of our week. Do you know what I'm talking about? And what I mean by that is like things like constant interruptions or people that are coming into your office or the... So how are ways that we can get time back by protect like having those boundaries with other people whether that be in the office or distractions at your house how how are ways that you find that are easier to get time back into what you just said productivity versus being busy how do you get that time back for yourself too, michael i know you have quick. to go so do you want to do you want to go first yeah go ahead michael you're muted thank you um yeah no i mean you know just automated i mean i can't tell you how much i leverage certain tools um to uh to to take my time back but also expand on you know things that i want to do um that i couldn't do previously so i mean it's it's leveraging automation it's leveraging artificial intelligence um that not just helps me get my time back but also helps me ideate and create for the future I love it. Perfect. Sorry, Steven, you were talking. You were, no, I got yeah, three, I... I'll, three really fast, easy things. Okay. No is a complete sentence. Do not disturb on your phone and time block on your calendar. If if people have access to your calendar and they can set appointments, leave yourself some blocks. Like I'm going to block this for me time or executive time, whatever you want to call it. Put your phone on do not disturb so you're not hitting the dings and all that stuff. And when you tell someone, no, don't have to justify it. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I'll have to do it later. You just have to, you have to take back control of your schedule. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a big one. You know, well, one, the do not disturb thing. I definitely need to use that way more often. But I, I, you know, I do think, you know, setting boundaries is something that's good, not just in work, but also in your personal life. So it's just something that's a good skill to have. Maybe we'll have a playbook on setting boundaries. But, you yeah. know, this is going to be one of those things where I, it is that self-discipline where you have to make that a priority for yourself. That way you do get those hours of productivity back throughout the course of the week. Uh, okay. All right. We're like way over time. So thank you all for, for being here. Uh, everybody that joined us on the Renegade Consortium, we are going to start having this be, I think a little bit more of a podcast format. So we'll be able to view this retroactively until we go out on the road and we all meet in Nashville. So yeah. uh, thank you all for being here and we'll see you in the next one.